Hello, and welcome to Talking Solutions, the fifth podcast from the Association for Solution-Focused Hypnotherapy. I'm Sally here. And I'm Trevor Eddles, and we're both experienced solution-focused hypnotherapists. Today, we're really pleased to have Loretta Bruning with us. Welcome, Loretta, and thank you for joining us today. Hi, so nice to be here. I was going to say you're joining us all the way from sunny California, but apparently it's been raining. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I, I mentioned it almost never rains here, so we're thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so pleased that you're joining us today. Loretta Bruning is Professor Emerita of Management at California State University. Growing up in a challenging home environment and later becoming a mother and working as a teacher caused her to question the popular theories of human motivation at the time. This led her to study the brain chemistry of mammals, and she rapidly drew parallels between this and many challenges faced by humans in the modern world. Loretta's made it her life's work to share this knowledge of our inner mammal ever since, founding the Inner Mammal Institute, publishing the internationally successful Habits of a Happy Brain and other titles, and tirelessly podcasting, blogging, broadcasting and lecturing, including presenting a talk for Action for Happiness. She's just published a new course of videos called Rewire Your Dopamine, Oxytocin and Serotonin to Feel Good Now, which distills her method into super accessible chunks. And I watched it over the weekend and I really enjoyed it. It was fun and it was fascinating. I sort of gobbled it all up in one go, but now I want to go back and do it properly and do all the exercises that you've given in, in there because it offers real practical help for positive change, which I, I really enjoyed. Thank you. Okay, let's start with the questions then. So, Loretta, we'll be including links to your resources with the podcast so people can find out more about our uh, fascinating mammalian brain. But for now, can you tell us a little about the science in a nutshell? Sure. So what I say is not representative of academic neuroscience because I've integrated the findings of many different disciplines, um, a lot of them uh, older works that are not popular today, but when I explain it, I think you'll see and everyone can decide for themselves that it explains so much. So we humans, you could say we have two brains. We have the cortex that's unique to humans and the mammalian brain, which actually controls the chemicals that make us feel good and bad. So anytime you're doing something an animal could do, that is controlled by your mammal brain. So when you're talking, animals can't talk, so you're using your human brain. But your mammalian brain turns on the chemicals that say, wow, I want more of that and motivate you to move toward it or to say, oh, that's bad for me. I want to pull back from it. So that's the core, um, I call it um, a, a navigation system that we humans have. And it's it's all nonverbal. So how receptive did you find the academic community when you started sharing these new ideas about the human condition? Not at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I'm just e e eternally grateful that I got... Um, when I was 49 years old, they were legally required to send me a letter explaining my retirement benefits. And that letter burned a hole in my pocket. <laughs> and by 51, I just like, I can't do this anymore. So I'm just very grateful that I had the freedom to use my own logic rather than limit myself to what the gods of a particular discipline had approved. Sounds like that was quite liberating. 
Yes. And I discovered the new field of evolutionary psychology at that point, which hadn't existed when I was in college. So I'm basically combining evolutionary psychology with um, cognitive psychology and neuroscience and anthropology and biology and animal science. And making it very user friendly as well. Thank you. Yes, I, I enjoy that. The reason I do that is if you can imagine, I would teach classes of 100 and more people at night to people with limited English. So it was a huge communication challenge. And I think that's how I got in the habit of tap dancing all the time. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. So um, if someone is listening, who's going through a difficult time at the moment, perhaps feeling depressed or anxious, what key happy brain habits would you recommend that would help them cope? Sure. Well, it's not simple habits the way you hear about in so many other modalities, but it's certain self-acceptance. So first, I'd say that we're born with billions of neurons, but very few connections between them. And the connections that we build when we're young are the ones that we tend to use throughout life just because they're so strong that our electricity flows there effortlessly. Just like when it rains, the rain flows into the biggest ditches that just happen to have gotten carved. So if you're flowing into this pattern that you don't like, it's because you connected the neurons when you were young for some fabulously good reason. And whenever your happy chemicals flowed when you were young, that built your happy chemical pathways. Whenever your threat chemicals flowed when you were young, that built your threat chemical, your threat chemical pathways that you still have today. And we also build them through our mirror neurons, which means we take in the happy and threatening responses of those around us. So it's great to know, as you people teach, that we can build new pathways, but it's also useful to know why it's so hard. I say that it's like learning a new language because your old language that you already speak is nothing but connections between neurons. You didn't speak it when you were born, but with all that repetition, now the words come to you effortlessly. But when you try to speak a new language, you struggle because that's the feeling of trying to send electricity down a new pathway. So that's what we're all trying to do when we change our behavior. And it's great to know that I'm normal. This is this is how our brain works and this is how life is. Yeah, I think it's really helpful, you know, and I know that you say that we won't hardwire to be happy all the time. And that's quite, you know, quite a big take on board because it is like great, actually. I can just be getting on. I mean, as, as you said, you know, solution-focused hypnotherapies, we do start building therapeutic report by talking to our clients about how the brain works. And we talk about kind of hacking those neurotransmitters to feel better, you know, thinking and acting and interacting in positive ways to get that dopamine and oxytocin and serotonin flowing and encourage kind of more all-round positivity. So do you have any top tips for maximum mammalian efficiency? Uh, sure. So what I talk about is the job that each happy chemical evolved to do so that when you want that feeling, you can understand what it takes to trigger it. Now, what we usually do is whatever trigger my dopamine in my past built pathways that motivate me to do that thing to get more dopamine, whatever triggered my serotonin in the past connected, motivate me to do that. And so I'll explain them, but the bottom line is um, 
to really see how it comes from inside us rather than seeing these impulses as something forced on us from the outside. Mm -hmm. So dopamine uh, is the great feeling that you're about to get a reward. So if you imagine a monkey wakes up hungry in the morning, it doesn't have a refrigerator, so it has to look around. And when it sees something to eat, it's like, wow, that's it. That's what I need. And that connection is built from that early experience of what will meet my needs. And that turns on the excitement feeling of dopamine that motivates action toward it. So we love the good feeling of dopamine, but we need to know that it didn't evolve to just flow all the time, like your blood and your saliva, but it's for only a specific reason is when you see something that can meet your need and you think you can get it because a monkey doesn't run after fruit unless it thinks it can get it. Mm-hmm. A lion doesn't run after a gazelle unless it thinks it can get it. So I'm always looking at the world like if you're looking for a job and you look at a lot of listings and you're like, no, I can't get that. I can't get that. Oh, I could get that. <laughs> and that's where you invest your energy. So we want that good feeling, but it wouldn't do its job if we had it all the time. So um, oxytocin is the good feeling of having social support which has been very much idealized in the modern world and gives people the misperception that you should have the support that a baby gets. Uh, It's natural to want support all the time, but it's not natural to have it. So even animals kick their kids out at a very young age. Um, And so we're born with this natural urge to be protected by others. And we want to repeat behavior that brought that protection in the past, which is why simple example, like if a person smokes, then they go out to smoke, they go out for a cigarette with their friends who smoke. And that stimulates that feeling of a group. We love that. And then if you stop smoking, then you don't know how to get that feeling. But there's really nothing wrong with the world. thousands of other ways to get it. It's just that we all run on the pathways we have. And finally, um, serotonin is the good feeling of being important. And no one wants to acknowledge that they want to feel important or that they like feeling important. But from David Attenborough, who first turned me on to this, we know so well, and he was so honest in his earlier work about the conflict among mammals, and it was studied for a whole century that animals are quite competitive and humans are too. And when you see that you're in the position of strength, your inner mammal says, oh, you can get the banana this time. Because if you're never in the position of strength, You never get the banana and you starve to death. So your inner mammal is always looking for that opportunity to be in the one up position. And then it turns on the serotonin and you feel like I got it going on. I'm the man. (laughs) And it's natural that everyone wants that feeling, but that we cannot have it every minute because you cannot be the big monkey every minute. Okay, yeah, that's that's all sounds so true, doesn't it? I'm sure we all do that. Um, I, I've seen the transcripts of your new video series, Rewire Your Dopamine, Oxytocin and Serotonin to Feel Good Now, and thought they were great, uh, warm, funny, and illustrate our mammalian selves very accessibly. Can you tell me more about them? 
Uh, well, uh, first, I did want to make them entertaining because I know how uncomfortable it sort of is to to face your old circuits and to accept that your happy chemicals have a job rather than just being given to you and that you are the manager of your brain rather than blaming society for your ups and downs. So um, I did work hard to make it funny. Uh, I do have a free video series on, on YouTube that people uh, have seen that's funny. So this one is also funny, hopefully even funnier, but also very focused on specific exercises. And then um, I decided to elaborate it. Possibly you, you haven't seen the whole thing. So the first 10 lessons are very, very short and funny, but then there's 15 more lessons. So I have 10 more that go into detail because uh, people really want to hear more examples of this because when your conscious brain says, I don't think that way, and then you hear an example, you say, I don't think that, but then when you hear a few examples, then you can generalize and find your own version of it. And that's when you know that it's just a circuit built from your past experience. And you can build an exit ramp on that highway and pave a new highway with repetition. So that's the idea of the middle part. And then the final part is called Tough Topics, Love, Money, Addiction, Politics, and Parenting. So I'm finally talking directly about the topics that everybody asks me about. And I think that's great, you know, really getting, because I love the way you use the props to sort of like really get our imaginations going and then sort of gradually take us into those sort of like knottier questions that, that we might yes. like to ask. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. T tell us what yeah. it takes to make Absolutely. new pathways. So, um, so what it takes to make new pathways is um, the, the main thing in adulthood is repetition. And repetition is unfun. Uh, people don't want to do it because if it doesn't feel good at first, you think, why should I repeat this if it doesn't feel good? Um, so uh, like with a foreign language, we know that you have to repeat something a lot to build the new pathway. But when you learn your native language, you're not aware of having had to work at it. So it's important to know why our old pathways got there without effort, because that helps us to be more willing to put in the effort for the new pathways. So when we're young, we have a lot of a substance called myelin, which insulates neurons like um, in, uh, we have insulation on a wire that makes the wire send electricity much faster, like 100 times faster. So that's why everybody defaults so easily to their old habit, because whatever pathways you myelinated when you're young is like, that's that you just go there before you realize that you made a choice. And that's why it takes so much repetition to build that exit ramp and to do something else. So this is why I've studied animal training methods because with animal training, how do they get the animal to repeat the new behavior is they give it a reward and the reward, the animal gets excited and that releases the chemicals that pave the pathway that makes us wanna do it. And most people in the modern world have been told that rewards are bad, that you should not reward a behavior. And so we tend not to use this animal training method on ourselves, but it's very effective if you watch animal training videos. And I do that with myself. So, you know, I say, I'm going to have my cup of tea after I spent 10 minutes 
on this technical challenge that I really hate, you know? Um, so it's just planning your rewards doesn't mean I'm going to eat ice cream all day. But if I am going to eat an ice cream, I'm going to work on that difficult challenge before it. Loretta, I was really interested about what you say about threat chemicals. Can you tell us a bit more about that, please? When, if I have some, we all know this feeling like if you have to fill in some form online and you try to do it and it fails and you get so upset and then you think I'll come back to it later, but you never go back to it because the bad feeling turns on every time you think about it because the first time you had the bad feeling, neurons connect when you have a bad feeling. Your cortisol is a real physical pathway. So you think, oh, that's going to feel bad, and you don't do it. So if you know that it's just a chemical and that you created the chemical from that early experience, then you can look for the pattern. Why did I have such a big reaction to that technical challenge? Well, maybe it was something in my past that I failed at, or maybe it was because I was giving myself life and death feelings about the goal that I needed to achieve. And our mammal brain is always creating life or death feelings because that's how animals have always survived. That's how our own ancestors survived. We've inherited our brains from people who survived by making a big deal out of everything. <laughs> so once we know that we're doing that, then we could divide that challenge into small chunks and give ourselves a reward after. And then once you experience the success of having managed your brain, then you you love that. You you want to do that. It's a skill. And then the new pathway builds. Thank you. I like the way when you did in the in the course, when you were saying about giving rewards for the wrong sort of reason for not doing things and how to use rewards sort of proactively instead of like reinforcing what we might be wanting to get away from unwittingly. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, exactly. So many people use um, rewards for the wrong reason, such as I failed at this technical challenge, so I'll go have my cup of tea or my yes. glass of wine. So yeah. you reward yourself for failing yeah. rather than yeah. for trying, not succeed, but just try. turn on a timer. I'm going to try for 10 minutes and then have my reward. If that's too hard, five minutes, one minute, but just only give the reward for something positive. And that is, of course, the lesson of my parenting module, which me, uh, I'm not saying I knew this when I was a parent, but I was um, so glad to learn this, even though I learned it too late for my kids. <laughs> yeah, I had a few. It was one of those things that you you listen and, and and when you hear it put that way, you think, of course. But in a way, you need to have to have it put to you if you sort of see the line. Oh, yeah, that is what I do. I do have a cup of tea when I haven't done the thing, or wine, or a pint of ice cream, or whatever <laughs> is the person. Yeah, I use tea. Thing. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I will give you a discount code uh, for your readers, uh, the half off discount code. It's um, the half price discount code. I'll send it to you and you can offer it to your readers for half price. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank oh, you very perfect. much. That's very yeah. kind. I'm sure they'll take advantage of that. Well, I think that's about it for this podcast. So thank you so much for joining us. It's been really enlightening. And as I say, all the links will be up when we put the podcast out. So you, you can find that fun discount. So that's great. Thank you. Um, so next time, we're looking forward to talking to Dr. Chris Irons of Balanced Minds. Okay, so it's goodbye from our guest, Loretta Bruning. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> it's lovely to have you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and for me, Sally, yeah.
And it's goodbye from me, Trevor Edels. See you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>